0: Diamond for diamond, no one compares with Mervis. At Mervis Diamond Importers, our natural diamonds come straight from the mines in Africa and our mermaid lab-grown diamonds beat all others for quality and value. Come view our brilliant diamonds, both natural and lab-grown. Mervis diamonds are so bright and full of fire they will blow you away. So will the affordable prices. Our diamonds may steal your heart, but not your wallet. See our mermaid lab-grown diamonds and learn how to get a larger diamond for less you can get a bigger mermaid lab-grown diamonds than you ever thought possible. And with Mervis Financing, you can enjoy up to five years to pay with zero interest. A generous full-value trader policy and our lifetime warranty program easily make Mervis your first choice. When you mount a world-class Mervis Diamond into a designer ring from our huge collection, there is no equal. Mervis Diamond Importers. For an appointment, call 800-HER-LOVE or go to MervisDiamond.com. Again, that's 800-HER-LOVE or go to mervisdiamond.com.
1: firstly, I owe you a massive thank you. I've learned so much from you over the years. Um, and obviously you're probably one of the only people in the world, a very tiny handful of people in the world that kind of bring this functional medicine alongside pharmacology into kind of the realm of also aesthetics and bodybuilding, whatever that means for the individual, right? And it was really your content that actually was one of the first people I've seen that was kind of talking about a lot of female specific health issues that happened as a result of dieting. So I'm kind of coming up, young coach in the bodybuilding world, and it's just Obviously, you give everyone this blanket meal plan, you treat everyone a bit like a, a bodybuilder, whether that's a bikini girl or a guy. And obviously that makes them healthier, right? Obviously that's good for their health. Um, and you're just oblivious to the fact that actually this extreme approach of training and low calories actually isn't always healthy and can actually have some health issues, can cause some health issues. Sorry, especially in females. It was actually you that was really one of the first people pioneering that message that I ever saw. Um, so yeah, firstly, thank you so much for what you do and your content. Um, and thank you for being here today so we can get into that.
2: Yeah, absolute pleasure. Yeah. Like like you said, I think I first entered sort of the fitness industry as a, a bystander, I wasn't really involved with generating income from it, it was more so the education aspect. And then over time you started to see that there was this big gap in how people were coaching, but also they weren't able to marry aspects of functional health to coaching. So more so I became more known for male bodybuilding issues, but I was really trying to get people to think of if someone comes to you with a problem and you're coaching them, we're always trying to think of what's the root cause. So even with female health, it's important that we have a general understanding that males and females are completely different, Not, not in terms of even physical appearance, but in terms of their biology. There are some shared similarities, but overall, men are making testosterone as the primary driving hormone of their body. And females are the opposite, where they're making estrogen. But they both still rely on the same process of the brain interacting with a sex organ. So over the last, I'd say, four years, we've seen a lot of content being delivered online by coaches, making online coaches aware that you can't train a female the same way that you train a male. And the same way with supplements, you can't give a male the same supplements as a female because they both have different needs, whether that is micronutrients or whether that's even um, supplements to balance mental health or balance uh, internal organs.
1: Yeah, there's definitely been a shift the last few years, hasn't there? Which is fantastic to see, and I think you were really one of those first people pioneering that, which is which is really cool. And that's having that kind of trickle down effect to people like myself and and obviously this podcast. So
2: yeah, and I mean, I, I just for me it was just more so uh, frustrating that when someone came to a coach with a health problem, more so coaches have really pivoted in this industry as being almost a leader to a client over even um, a medical practitioner. So often, and, and it is becoming a little bit more blurred now as time goes on, uh, what is the role of a coach? And some coaches are potentially overstepping their boundary of always the case of stay in your lane, but the image that the client is putting on the coach is almost like you're my problem solver. And so a lot of coaches are having to upscale to understand these, um, I guess, innate biological processes in order to help guide that client, whether that is advising them, oh, you should ask your GP, maybe this is the problem. And so they're able to even understand from, um, I guess, a psychological level, how they can steer that client to the best result that that's going to deliver, again, future success for them yeah
1: no exactly it's uh it's 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 great in so many ways isn't it but also it's definitely problematic so yeah there's a lot to unpack there but I mean let's start by just painting the picture for me Dean if it's okay like what is kind of the current situation in terms of females dieting Like, what is the standard approach and, and what are some of the issues that occur as a result of that
2: yeah so I, I guess like the, even the opening statement you can't really diet a female the same way as a male you they have on one aspect completely different biologies but on the other hand they have completely different psychologies and again that comes down to neurotransmitter balance so a male's brain is going to predominantly be dopamine driven as a consequence of testosterone and a female is going to be more so mellow um more i guess thought orientated due to the serotonin from estrogen so you have to realize that men will probably have more intrinsic motivation to basically follow a plan whereas a female might need to be guided a little bit more better and not as emotionally we have to understand that potentially a male will just do as they're told whereas a female may be more inquisitive they may have more rational thinking over a plan and it's important that as a coach then that you understand that you can't coach a female the same way as a male that even boils down to training so even you know the basic biology of a female is all centered around the menstrual cycle so at different points of the month, different hormones are going to be at play. So it's not just like when a male where they're pumping out the same level of testosterone every single day. In a female's menstrual cycle, you're going to have periods when lutein- luteinizing hormone, LH, is rising with progesterone and estrogen counterbalancing what's happening in terms of whether they're ovulating or whether they're menstruating. And at that point, different levels of psychology is going to come in. So obviously when their estrogen is elevated, their serotonin is going to be more elevated. So potentially they're going to be a little more lazy or a little more emotional. And then at the other point of the month, estrogen is going to be lower, progesterone is going to be higher. And even then that brings challenges because then progesterone is almost like a relaxing hormone to a female. So at that case, their their training intensity, their training volume, their ability to handle load is going to change and put them more at risk of injury. So you can't really give a female, the same training plan, and each week I check and go, oh great, you progressed way, right? or or you know, let's keep increasing load. There has to be almost like an undulating uh, training period to managing a female's uh, training cycle alongside that menstrual cycle. And then obviously in tandem to that comes supplementation requirements. So at certain parts of the month, they may need more magnesium because of the main enzyme, COMT, cat called O-metal transferase, it detoxes estrogen from the body. That requires magnesium to efficiently work. So you have at points in the month when estrogen is going to be higher, that um I guess athlete or coaching client is going to require more magnesium, whether that's through supplementation, like magnesium bisglycinate or magnesium trainate or through food. Predominantly, you know, as a coach you should be aiming to get micronutrients into someone's diet through nutrition. But again, with a balance between caloric intake and expenditure, you may not have the available calories, as to speak, to allow that person to get a full spectrum of what they require. So that's where supplements come in and fill that gap. So magnesium would be one thing that you need to consider with a female, depending on the time of the month. And then you go to another step further, and you have to look at liver detox. So our bodies are designed to detoxify all our hormones or xenoestrogens from the environment. So we have to understand that the liver is going to be almost like the roadblock in females to whether they're going to have potential estrogen dominance um, side effects. And so you need to make sure that the female is having good bowel movements because quite a lot of estrogen is excreted through our bowels. And also to ensure that they're getting the correct, um, I guess, substrates that help the body to remove the estrogen through your urine. So it it becomes a big, broad compass that navigating a female is a little more technically difficult than a male because of these intrinsic things that are happening over the course of a month. With a male, you can probably give the same program and they could ride it out for four weeks before you have to make any change. With a female, week to week, you have to almost analyze what variables are happening. And I guess one step further, you could have that female basically measure their basal temperature to sort of give an indication without um, I guess symptomology or feelings of what they, they perceive as happening. The basal temperature is obviously going to show at points in the month when they're ovulating and when they're not and they can sort of track that around their uh, menstruation then to give indications of this week I'm in my like pre-luteal phase the next week I'm in my luteal phase I'm moving into follicular and then I'm moving into menstruation. So after that You can then design, obviously you can periodize to some extent so you can almost forecast ahead. So it's not almost like you're trying to navigate week to week. You can have some level of forecasting to effectively anticipate changes for that female. But if it's a new client and she's female, you're going to have to navigate probably about two to three months with that client before you can understand the the, uh, regularity of the cycle and what demands are required week to week based on
1: it. That's really interesting. I actually didn't know that COMPs needed magnesium. So when that estrogen surge in kind of pre-ovulation, is that something you'd look to include yeah. then, magnesium supplement? So, so
2: magnesium helps the enzyme function correctly, but the, the enzyme then needs metal donors. So like methylfolate or SAMe, S-adenosylmethionine. They are actually what give the metal donor. So metal groups are effectively a carbon with three hydrogens attached. And when your body attaches that to estrogen, it creates a metoxy variant, so now you have a version of estrogen that's no longer estrogen. So it's a metabolite. So CoMT puts that metal group onto estradiol to transform it away from estrogen. So not only are you having to consider the magnesium requirements, you have to look at metal donors. So their folate intake—are they getting enough green leafy vegetables, or as a supplementation factor, they could take perhaps a activated B complex that has metal folate. One of the misconceptions when we're sort of getting around to supplements is uh, folic acid versus metal folate. So folic acid is generally uh, medically recommended. Folic acid is the synthetic form of folate. So it's slightly different in how it's um, chemically structured. And what happens is your body effectively has to convert folic acid to metal folate. But the other side is that some of the enzymes that do this conversion process can be occupied with folic acid without taking any effect. So you're effectively affecting that folate cycle with folic acid to an extent. The more bioavailable form would be to recommend either tetrahydrofolate, 5-MTHF, or folinic acid, which is another methylated form of, of folate. And so incorporating that into a client's plan would it effe- efficiently uh, ensure that that COMT is being supported by the magnesium, and then has the required, I guess, substrate with the metal donor to deactivate the estrogen.
1: Yeah. So, if in terms of the types of symptoms we're looking for here to see if this is a problem for cl- for clients, and kind of break down what estrogen dominance is, if that's okay, Dean, because it's something that. Obviously, it's, it's more clients than not that I'm working with now, I would say, fall into this bracket. So, yeah, what is estrogen dominance? How does it occur and then? Um, how does that kind of link back to what we've just been talking about?
2: Yeah, so so in a female, m- most of the estrogen that's going to be made by a female is made in their ovaries. Um, similarly, in males, most of the testosterone is in the testicles. So they're, they're opposing gonad structures. Um, so when estrogen, when estrogen rises too high you effectively come to this sort of roadblock. And like we, we had said, it's, I guess you can call it estrogen dominant. So the body now has an inability to detoxify or remove this estrogen. And that can come from many things in terms of um, stagnated liver function. So the liver effectively is not able to metabolize the estrogen so that you can excrete it. Or there's a roadblock blockage somewhere in the gut. Most of our um Metabolites of estrogen are going to be removed either in the feces or in the urine. So if we have this roadblock where either we're not able to transform the estrogen to its metabolites so it no longer has an effect in the body, a biological effect, or we can't remove it efficiently through excretion, it's going to build up in the system. Um, with estrogen dominance, you're going to see um, effects like potential low mood due to that serotonin influence you're going to potentially see heavier bleeds in some people, depending on on what happens um, when you reach that menstruation period. So obviously during menstruation, um, estrogen should be in a, in a sort of normal range. Um, so you might see a heavier bleed. Um, and so really the other side of it then is you can see issues with GI function. So elevated estrogen can elevate histamine. So you may see that the person may have irritable bowel symptoms. Um, whether that is constipation or diarrhea you can go in either way. Generally with elevated histamine you're going to see rapid bowel movement because histamine stimulates peristalsis so the gut speeds mm-hmm. up um, and so you can start to see some of the, the I guess the negative effects and the psychology that can play off having, having that estrogen dominance so it comes back to then assessing overall diet fibre intake so again fibre is going to be important for removing out these um, metabolites um, and also the, the sort of macronutrient, um, how, you're, how you're effectively feeding that person. So, again, we all know the effects of having low-fat diets. You're going to really affect uh, bowel function and bowel excretion. So, really important that we're not uh, missing out on, um, I guess, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats like our omega-3s to, again, help towards uh, hormonal health, but also help with bowel function as well.
1: Yeah, that's why I think you hear this a lot, don't you, with these symptoms kind of being around uh, ovulation and pre premenzies, So you kind of see women will say, OK, my mood's worse, I've got more, you know, I get more bloating, I've got more issues on the toilet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it, it then ha- having that understanding of that biology as even a coach, then you can obviously effectively um, coach and coach. Um, I guess come to a level with that client that there is a level of empathy then being able to understand to have solutions in place to actually guide that client that actually those symptoms that you're having aren't normal that there are strategies that need to be put in place to effectively normalize that system and that you know most clients aside from weight loss or physical improvements the the aspect of Uh, lifestyle change is is huge in females. I'm I'm very appreciative then towards if a coach can fix that problem versus I'm going to make you lose 10 pounds, but in the process, you're still going to have really bad periods. As a coach, you know, you've done your job from a physique perspective, but you haven't improved the quality of that client's life. And and as a coach, I think it's important to have both aspects we are able to coach. Okay, one aspect, improving daily lifestyle and environment and everything that plays into that, which is where functional medicine comes in. And then you have the aspect you improving as your job, physical appearance and relationships with food. So marrying the two together really encompasses, I guess, an overall um, holistic approach that a lot of coaches will really benefit from if they have that understanding.
1: Yeah. I so kind of see like two separate halves there. We've obviously got a few things to consider from like an intake perspective. You've mentioned different food groups like the dark leafy greens, obviously various micronutrients, yeah. types of fats. And then obviously we've got the, the outcome side of that equation, right? What symptoms are you experiencing, if any? And how do they um, how do they correlate across the menstrual cycle? So if you're a woman and you're trying to kind of self-coach through some of this, or you're a coach working with female clients, what kind of bits of apps, apps software, wearable tech are you using to help kind of measure that intake and the symptoms and cycle side of things?
2: Um, so you have your O-ring, you have your, your Fitbit, you have your eye watches and again depending on some of the apps you, you can effectively line up that basal temperature towards um, uh, I guess app tracking of menstrual cycle of bleeds and then you can take that data and effectively you know map out here's where I'm potentially ovulating, here's where I'm menstruating and then you're sort of creating a, a background picture you know the added layer to that then would be blood work to mm-hmm. confirm at points of the month where progesterone and estrogen is sitting where the FSH and LH ratio is sitting and um, there is uh, our educator on SN Education, Olivia, she's launching Femtech, which is actually a basal body ring just for females. So she's taking a concept of like an aura ring, but it's completely uh, designated towards females. So it takes into account your, your basal temperature while you're sleeping. And then she's built a really impressive algorithm that can effectively tell that person who could be self-coaching, okay. We can see that your HRV is a little low. We can see your resting heart rate's elevated slightly. Your basal temperature's starting to rise. Okay, now you're starting to enter into pre-ovulation. And the app is designed basically to tell the person, okay, whether, you know, you should train, whether you should not train and rest, what kind of training you should be doing. She's done something amazing there that, you know, no one else has done in this sort of tracking field that is all female orientated around that menstrual cycle.
1: Why is that part important, Dean? Because obviously aura ring do something similar. Um, and obviously there are other things that influence body temperature that are, other than the menstrual cycle, which is why it's important that it is kind of female specific. So yeah, just to explain that a bit us, Okay, why does it matter that it's looking at it through the female lens? So I guess the, the important aspect is that aura isn't really looking at um,
2: gender. It's just assuming. okay, it does ask for your gender, but it's not really looking specifically at, at the... I guess, the the things that factor then into the biology like we spoke about. And that's sort of where Olivia's come in with the, um, I guess, the algorithm in the background behind it. She'd be something someone perfect to, to quiz about on your yeah. podcast.
1: Yeah, I like Olivia. I speak to her on Instagram sometimes. She puts out awesome stuff. So. Yeah,
2: so she, she's really clued in and I'm really, like, when people sort of view me as... Um, the sort of male health experts and towards hormones, any female that comes to me, I often go, okay, Olivia's the expert for this. And I, I refer on to Olivia because of how amazing and just sort of clued in she is to all aspects. And she's sort of, this, I think, the pioneer of like striving for, um, I guess, equality in terms of female orientated health when it comes to like tech development. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. I think that obviously she's based in Australia, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm half Australian. I'll be over there at some point soon and I'll definitely be hitting her up and see if she fancies coming on the Absolutely on the podcast. I, so I can, I can
2: hook you up as yeah, well.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much. So um yeah, that was great from like the, the the tech side of it. And then from from an intake um side of things, how would you kind of look at that micronutrient and different types of fat etc. status?
2: Yeah, so so I guess um importantly towards uh, fat intake is probably the most overlooked one. Um obviously at different points in the month, um, insulin sensitivity might be slightly affected depending on how testosterone is fluctuating with estrogen in a, in a female, um, but generally you're looking at probably somewhere around 15 to 20% fat constant and making sure that they are getting appropriate amounts of omega-3s through polyunsaturated fats in that diet, I guess across the whole month. Um, I don't think there's there's going to be a period where you're, you're effectively going to uh, diet someone harder and then back off specifically across the month. But in saying that, because of we know around sort of that uh, pre-ovulation sort of period, we, we may see, again, issues towards uh, hormone dominance, which, again, could lead to, um, I guess, non-adherence to a plan. So you almost have to factor in someone act to towards the psychology there. that some females may have a um, psychological attachment to certain foods, so we might find that they crave sweet foods or sugary foods or or anything like that, that it's important then as a a coach that you're not having this all or nothing approach. And this is sort of where the beauty of potential flexible dieting comes in, that you, you have some leniency to the female psychology to remove some of the restrictions in terms of, oh, at this point in the month when you have these uh, cravings, or you know, just fight through them and, and ignore it all, you have to accept that, you know, from a psychological level, if you have a bit of leeway there, there's going to be, uh, I guess, a finer balance then to the, the neuropsychology that's driving that aspect. So, um, I guess, across the month, the protein needs are going to stay the same, really, as they're, if they're an athlete. Um, carbohydrates, depending on training day, non-training day, again, will vary Again, it just comes down to um, that person's own preference and then we have to understand the unique bio-individuality of each athlete in terms of the energy systems that their body prefers. So for some it might be fats and for others it might be carbohydrates or glucose versus triglycerides. So I think the, the broad sort of message there is the, the fat intake needs to sort of remain the same instead of you know viewing that as an easy way to remove calories out of the diet we have to sort of have a compromise that we need to understand how critical omega-3s are for, you know, hormonal signaling and saturated fat for hormonal creation. So fats tend to get shunned away with with dieting phases. And it's important that if we're going to hopefully keep menses intact with a female as they diet intensely, that fats aren't sort of the sacrificial lamb of of where you're pulling calories from because of how nutrient-dense they are
1: yeah so the, the kind of the question i've then got if we zoom out and look at this bigger picture of how we find that balance is obviously fats are incredibly important as you've just said correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure i've seen research showing that glucose availability is like one of the things that the brain is measuring when it decides to send that luteinizing hormone signal or not
2: yeah not not, not something i've read personally but i can see why and again we can see obviously the relationship that uh, leptin and ghrelin are going to have more so towards like growth hormone growth hormone signaling again reparative process to the body where we're going to effectively be pushing calories or, or macronutrients to for repair so i guess yes you, you could then obviously see that when someone's moving into this deficit and ghrelin is starting to be affected uh, leptin is going to obviously um uh, be i guess suppressed so you're now feeling into a, a, a situation whereby a growth hormone is going to decrease and in tandem then potentially um sex steroid synthesis or again even adrenal hormonal synthesis is going to affect get affected and you almost have to um, branch out female cells into those three systems of the HPO the hypothalamic pituitary and ovary axis the HPT which is the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis and the HPA which is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis so you've basically got your Thyroid, your adrenals and your ovaries in a female being like the three main systems of where all the the hormones of the body are being mainly produced. And we can see obviously the the feedback influence that the generation of these hormones have on the organ then itself because these are all self-feedback loops. So if we have a a case where we have um, potentially for example the thyroid, if we have low availability of tyrosine then thyroid hormone production is going to slow down. Or if we have lack of folate or metal donors, the genes, your your genetics, that's telling the hypothalamus to stimulate the pituitary, to then stimulate the thyroid, can slow right down as well. So we can see how critical um, I guess like we say macronutrient availability but also um, micronutrient availability drives these hormonal axes in that chain that the ultimate thing that suffers is the hormone output. And then what you'll find then is if one system, because essentially if you look, all three systems are are pretty much interlinked. Like they all work in tandem with one another and they all have influences on one another. They're not working separately where the HPT is making thyroid hormone regardless of what's happening in the ovaries. They're all sort of feedback into one another even though they are separate feedback loops for example most females make their testosterone from their adrenal gland mm-hmm. so you now have to understand that if there's issues at the the ovary producing estrogen is the adrenal going to try and compensate and then effectively um try and, and i guess make up for the the lack of estrogen or i guess estrogen excess is your side um with the the adrenal trying to control what's happening with testosterone production, so it's it's um, I guess it's it's one of those sides where you have to view that you have to have an understanding of the three systems and how they interlink, but then you have to then again, like you said, take that bigger picture out where you're you're going to the top mm-hmm. level and seeing um, how you can guide that through uh, nutrition and supplementation.
1: Yeah. So if we've if we've got a you know a female listening and she goes, every time I go into a calorie deficit, all of these issues start occurring for me, right? I get issues with the you know with like the over the hormone production from the ovaries, like some menstrual cycle issues, I get some issues stemming from the adrenal glands, like I feel stressed, I'm getting the mood swings, the blood sugar dysregulation. And she's like, I just want to lose some body fat, but it just seems really hard for me because I've got all this other stuff going on. When there are so many considerations for the female here dieting, like, what is kind of the answer to that? Do we diet them with less of a deficit? Do we take more frequent diet breaks? So we don't have a prolonged period in a calorie deficit. Like, you know, you've obviously coached so many females to, to world-class stage physiques, which means you've got them lean enough. So how, how, how do we kind of manage that?
2: So what, what I've learned over time, um, especially through um, having conversations with Olivia, it, it's sort of like... If a female isn't in a position to diet, there there has to be an acceptance there when you are um, onboarding that person that they need to be aware that if their body's not in a prime position to diet, then they're not entering into a dieting phase. That's the first and
1: foremost observation.
2: On your side, then, yeah, like you said, you have to have sort of an understanding that there is going to come a point where we may have um, thyroid hormone, uh, I guess, down regulation where we're seeing decreases in tired hormone output and metabolic adaptation we all sort of throw that thing around where the longer you die the harder it is to, to lose body fat in females um it, it tends to be more documented more so than males that we do see a potential slowdown in metabolism where potentially you're going to need l- more of a deficit or more activity to to generate that overall energy deficit um but you, you, you do have to, again, look at that on an, an individual by individual basis of um, whether you need to effectively take more frequent diet mm. breaks or whether you coach that client on, let's correct that, that the underlying issues, you're stressed um, before you even enter a dieting phase, is it more appropriate that we spend time at a maintenance level while uh, putting in the cofactors or nutrients that are required to, to balance the system again, so that when we do enter into a deficit, the adrenals don't start complaining, thyroid m- metabolic function doesn't slow down, or, you know, again, that we don't start seeing issues with, you know, hormone disbalance, where we have estrogen dominance, or we have progesterone imbalances. So, yeah, it's 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 a lot more difficult than a male, like I say, we can give a male a plan, um and and you can effectively write that plan out for four to five weeks before you start to see imbalances and it's it's very rare with a male um that you're going to see um metabolic resistance towards you know they're doing everything right and and there's that sort of underlying element of yes it comes down to like seco calories in calories out but there is nuances to the, the underlying hormonal construction and how that is affecting overall hormone metabolic health so it becomes a little more technical with females and and like you said without even going down the rabbit hole of of like performance enhancing drugs you're you're effectively whilst you have females who will do top level bodybuilding you're then adding in another uh complexity of now you're completely disbalancing the system with with potentially elevated androgens if they use uh, certain compounds um and, and not only do you have to navigate that during that dieting period or, or off-season period with a female, you have to deal with the, the effects of it when certain compounds like that are removed. So it's it's a lot. I guess it's really difficult to be a, you know, a, a really empathetic and over-encompassing female coach. Um, so it's, it's, for people like Olivia, when I see some of the the things that she fixes towards case studies with, with certain clients, it's, it's amazing
1: the part of the answer there that I really loved is the, well, sometimes you're just not ready to diet. And that I think is a message that we should definitely spend another minute on, because I think a lot of the time people go, okay, well, I want to diet. My body fat is a little bit higher than I want it to be, whether that's still within a healthy range or, or not. And they just, they, you know, no one's really saying that, hold on, not everyone is in a position to diet. That isn't really a message I'm hearing often. So I think it's incredibly important. And from a coaching perspective obviously can be absolutely game-changing to the results you get with that client when you do let them enter a deficit further down the line so what would you say is kind of the checklist that you're looking for dean in terms of reasons that a client shouldn't go into a deficit what are like the red flags and then like what markers if anything can we kind of measure in terms of going okay cool you're good to now enter a deficit what does that health first phase kind of look like
2: so i guess um At a top level, something simple that could be measured towards a measure of internal stress would probably be fasting blood glucose. So, you know, if someone comes to you and their fasting blood glucose is above five, you know, there's there's potential issues towards insulin sensitivity. Now, insulin sensitivity, very sort of, um, I guess, bashed word in the the fitness industry, you've lost insulin sensitivity or this supplement increases insulin sensitivity. In a female, um, loss of insulin sensitivity... It could be caused by, by a lot of things, but, but generally it's, for most people as well, would be an increase in adipose tissues. Now, all of a sudden you've got issues where the glucose that your body's trying to dispose of is, is not being as effective at being shuttled into, Um, for example, your body has two cells that it's going to shuttle nutrients into. It's either going to go into a muscle cell or it's going to go into adipose. It has two choices. For it to enter into muscle cells, there has to be obviously a cascade of of insulin making the cell more receptive and then the glucose transporters on the surface of the cell taking that glucose and bringing it inside. That can be affected if you have effectively um, elevated levels of body fat, um, which has caused potential um, an inflammatory response in the body. So it's almost like, again, inflammation being a buzzword. You have to have an understanding that certain aspects to um, a person's physique when they first come to could be driving a low level of chronic inflammation. And that inflammation, again, could come from um, underlying stress, where the adrenal is making too much cortisol. And looking at what we talked about earlier, they're not making enough growth hormone. So now you have a a system whereby they're... um, not, not to get into like the heavy science, but you, you make a hormone that effectively pushes either glucose or fats into fat cells. Um, you have a lipase enzyme. And when your cortisol is elevated, you're pushing all these nutrients into fat cells because effectively the, the shuttling aspect of glucose into muscle cells is sort of overridden and your body's just trying to get rid of this excess energy any way it can. So if someone comes to you, you're, you're really going to look at, again, at fasting blood glucose, um, I guess, blood pressure. We're looking at really basic biometric data here to begin before you start even delving into uh, blood work or food relationships or macro tracking. Um, that gives you like a, a top-down view of, of how stressed that person's system is without even, you know, simple blood glucose monitor probably costs you about 15 pounds on Amazon. Same with a, a blood uh, pressure monitor, you pick one up for about 20, 25 pounds. That gives you an insight, obviously, how stressed that person is, if any, and then you can start billing in the case of, okay, well, for example, if their blood glucose is over five, well, then you know we're not we're not going to progress if this is someone who is looking to build muscle per se. You're you're trying to coach them that there's a loss of insulin sensitivity now starting to occur that it makes no sense to increase calories in this setting. The other side, obviously, with someone who's trying to enter into a diet phase, if again, if blood glucose is elevated, you have to almost come to an understanding of what's driving the root cause of that elevation of blood glucose. If it's, again, excess adipose tissue, then potentially, you know, entering into dieting phase may help correct that imbalance. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of like you can use those simple uh, feedback mechanisms um, or, or, I guess, biometric data before you start ordering, like, um, inflammation markers at a hormone, um, like LH, FSH, and estradiol. But it, it is important, again, then, that you might get, um, I guess, negative feedback from the female client when when they sort of come to you with a goal of, oh, I want to lose 15 pounds, and the system isn't ready to handle a deficit, that you almost have to um, approach it in an empathetic way to get them to understand that, well, maybe let's spend the first eight weeks of working together together um, First and foremost, assessing what is your maintenance level of calories so we have a good understanding of where we're going here. But also, let's get sleep hygiene correct. Let's get micronutrient deficiencies in order. So you are setting up that client then for, the, I guess, the routines and structures, which again is a big part of psychology with eff- effective weight loss, okay. so that you're not getting them a quick result whereby when they, they eventually leave you, which tends to happen with all coaching, that you have effectively helped educate them. So you've spent time educating, start building your base, then taking them into a deficit, achieving the physical result. And then that client's happy. They've built the systems, the structures, the habits that effectively allows them to continue on after coaching, either being able to navigate through a a, a deficit or maybe a new maintenance level at that new lean physique, or have the understanding of um being able to understand keeping the structures in place towards lifestyle or sleep the micronutrients and all that
1: yeah fantastic um i love that you said the fasted blood sugar and the, the blood pressure they're two markers that i use with my clients i found in particular as you kind of touched on right at the start dean with females sometimes being a bit more like inquisitive and wanting to know why they're doing certain things i found those two markers in particular really effective because most people if they have even giving any thought to their blood pressure and blood sugar which most people haven't but if they have right typically what you'll hear is okay well my carbohydrate intake Is you know okay? I don't eat that much sugar, so obviously my blood sugar functions fine. And then the same thing with blood pressure. They'll be like, "Well, I don't feel that unfit. I do some cardio, so my blood pressure is going to be fine." Because they obviously don't understand what you've just explained there. This whole metabolic syndrome. You know how stress physiology influences these markers. So I've personally found those markers so so useful to actually get clients bought into this concept that actually everything in your body is also connected, and this is how stress influences these health markers. It's not necessarily just your carb intake and your your cardio.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's, you know, that's the, you, you almost want to have that accomplished feel, like I'm saying, that you are giving that person the skills to, to correct these potential hormone imbalances, that, again, getting lean could be an amazing goal for a female, but having normal periods could be just as even better than having, a, you know, beach body physique, so, um, again, as a coach, we're coaching females, you almost want to have an understanding that the, the end goal, the physique goal, is often, um, I um it could be even outweighed by some of the lifestyle improvements you're going to give your clients.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of the time for clients it just comes down to hearing that that's actually possible. Because if the coaches are just putting out transformation pictures of clients, if they're not talking about the menstrual cycle, if they're not saying it's not normal to not go to the toilet or to have diarrhoea or to have painful periods, how are these women going to know that these symptoms are not normal, right? Because it's so common in their world that they go, "Oh, well, it happens to everyone," and so it's just normal.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and again, the, the complacency of accepting um, some symptoms as normal normal or normality that um, when things improve significantly, through that sort of buy-in and being able to, to coach effectively, that 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 to me is the biggest transformation. And again, it even comes down to with even top level physique competitors. How are you going to? Effectively manage that um, athlete uh, or competitor out of that dieting phase psychologically more so, a- and again being able to navigate out of it um, hormonally because again a lot with a completely different discussion would be athletes with amenorrhea or having um, an a cycles. So you, you effectively need to understand that as a coach that there's a level of added stress with a female who's just finished competing has had um, amenorrhea for maybe five or six months, depending on the length of the deficit, how you can effectively understand to navigate the psychology of that, of reassurance that, okay, this is a normal paraphysiology because of uh, intense dieting. And as we slowly improve, your caloric intake primarily through, um, I guess, fats, and then adding in more carbohydrate, the system begins to balance effectively, like we said, the interconnection between the thyroid, the adrenals and the, the ovaries, um understanding that there's a huge level of stress placed on the body with intense bodybuilding physique development. No more so like your your gem pop, but for um coaching female competitors that you have the knowledge then to understand that this whole um I guess thought in the in, in in the past of doing slow reverse dieting can't be done with females. Yes, you have to be intelligent that the system is going to fight back that if you put in a ton of calories. It's going to be leading more towards storage because of the, I guess, metabolic inflexibility that's developed. But you have to understand that oh, you can't just add in, like, oh, we're going to add in an extra five grams of carbohydrates because you finished competing. You almost want to now go, okay, we've digged into this deep hole. We need to crawl out as, yeah. as quick as possible to get you back to that normal physiology. And I guess, the like, a whole other conversation is uh, n- not even with a normal, uh, gem pop female being ready to diet, competitors, female competitors, literally finishing a competition and then looking at when their next competition is, or a female's finished competing, they've gone through this rebound or, or a health phase, if you even want to call that, where they've regained um, their, their menstrual function, and now they're looking at another competition and it's sort of like, well, where do you define an acceptable break between regaining this um, very important biological function to going back into something again that's going to technically shut it back down. And it, and it's almost like the same story with like a male who's who's using certain compounds that shuts down their natural fertility and then coming off and, and going back on. You have the same compass there with a female. Uh, where's the acceptable time um, between even dieting phases?
1: And the answer to that is probably longer than most of them take. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I mean... It, because my background's pharmacology you know it sort of horrified me a little bit in the last couple of years whereby we have um certain coaches who are who are trying to be intelligent when it comes to female physiology and obviously when when a female reaches like the, the depths of a severe deficit like i said most of the testosterone is made in the adrenal gland one of the first things that's going to drop in a female is testosterone output now females may not Appreciate, But testosterone is very important towards recovery, towards their strength, but also towards their libido. And so if testosterone production falls out, that again can lead to issues with uh, estrogen production within the ovaries. So now you're you're sort of feeding into this amenorrhatic uh, cycle. And you you start to see like coaches who then um, assess a female's blood work and look and see the low testosterone because of the low adrenal output. And, you know, horrifically, like, coach or advise on testosterone use in females, um, like female compares This is not, not even a conversation for general population. But you have people are basically advising, oh, let's put this really androgenic compound into a female because your testosterone is low. And that sort of... Is going to be part of your rebound health phase. We're going to put in a bit more testosterone because it's low because of the dieting phase to speed up this recovery part after the diet. It's just lunacy.
1: Yeah, I don't even know <laughs> what to say to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's scary, and and it shows such a, a lack of understanding then towards female physiology and that this low testosterone level. And again, this can be for even general population if if you are experiencing low testosterone as a, a general population female listening understand that most of your testosterone production is from your adrenals so the first thing that should be corrected even before like having a discussion with a gp about uh hrt more so testosterone for females is look at the adrenal profile look is the adrenal capable of producing testosterone is um the diet the nutrition micronutrients set up Effectively support steroid genesis within the adrenals. And again, that goes back to fat intake and it goes back to stress and it goes back to cortisol production and it goes back to uh, hydration. There, there's so many aspects there that you need to assess first before, you know, probably not as blindly as a, a physique coach turn around to a female saying, take testosterone, but understanding, like what I said in the beginning, this functional aspect of the root cause. Why aren't you making testosterone? It's because your adrenal is not capable. And why is that? And you start building the puzzle out, Ryan. Okay, well, we have a drug that matches this low testosterone symptom. Let's just give the drug instead of fixing the problem.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's a message that definitely more people need to hear. Dean, um, you've done an absolutely incredible job there of kind of painting this picture of why we need to coach females differently and, and the, the the systems of problems that occur as a result of not. If if possible, summarise that into kind of like three to five main kind of points and takeaways, if that's Okay.
2: Yeah, so, so I think from the first message, which we really delved on was, um, even as a female, don't be pressured into feeling that you have to diet, um, first and foremost based off your, your physical image, but also um, the underlying psychology. And and from that, that even stems into competitors or physique athletes who may be listening that that. You, you almost have to have a pre- diet success in order to earn the right to enter into a diet understand that it is normal across a month for a female to have again different emotions different recovery capabilities and different um i guess nutritional requirements that you need to be in tune as as a coach or or even as as a person who's coaching yourself or as a general population listening that it that it is normal to have food cravings at certain times of the month and um, to not feel guilty if you succumb to those food cravings as a, as a consequence of of that hormone milieu. Um, number three most complex issues often have a simple fix in that you're going back to lifestyle first before I start going down rabbit holes of what medication do I need to take? And that, that, again, comes down to the faster blood glucose or even the blood pressure. If you're a female and your blood pressure is elevated, you've got a couple of things. You could be dehydrated where you're taking in too much sodium and not enough potassium and, and fluid overall to help with cellular hydration. Aerobic activity, of course, we said, oh, well, I do a little bit of cardio. Your smooth muscle um, that surrounds the outside of your arteries. um, it needs to be trained. So uh, look at, you know, high-intensity activities. So whether you're doing a spin class or a Zumba or something that, that really drives up heart rate in a short space of time, you're exercising those uh, smooth muscle capabilities of the arteries to effectively be able to have flexibility to open and close mm-hmm. to accommodate um, blood pressure. And so whether your blood pressure is high, then you're looking at opening up the arteries to facilitate more blood flow. Um, And sleep, sleep and, and stress, um... Really, one of the fundamentals that should be in place for females is, is very, I guess, adequate sleep hygiene. Um, and uh, the routines that's going to take some of the burden away. I mean, um, females in certain cases are, are going to be like the anchor of a family as well. Like we didn't even touch on that. that most females will have a lot more mental responsibility over a male in a, in a, fee- in a, in a household or in a family setting. So we, we need to understand that how we can support that that female's mentality, that female psychology, in order to be going to bed, not stressed or not worrying about the next day or not worrying about children, uh, which is sort of like, a, a I guess, a stereotypical view, but in most cases, it's sort of the maternal care of, of the children where the mother is sort of expected in the morning time to sort of bring the family together and, and get dad out the door, get kids out the door, so without, you know, compromising her, her own health. So... Again, sleep hygiene, um, having, I guess, mental structures or, or mental recovery capabilities being encoached in- in into a female is important as well. And then finally, uh, supplementation. Don't be afraid of supplements. Um, I guess that was sort of where me with supplement needs, I, I like loved the, how well supplements can be matched to conditions because of the root cause. So again, estrogen dominance, C O M T cmt is not working properly because you're lacking magnesium simple fix put more magnesium in by food or if you don't eat a ton of spinach or anything like that we've got a supplement where you're getting 150 milligrams of magnesium in quite easily with two capsules so you've got either a big plate of spinach or you've got your two capsules you make the decision on on what sort of fits your your lifestyle so yeah so those would be sort of four or five main ones overall from what we spoke today
1: yeah, that's such an important message. And thank you so much, Dean. I've, I've learned several things there myself. So selfishly, that, that was great. And I know a lot of people are going to really benefit listening um, to that. You've built an absolutely world-class brand from a supplement standpoint, but also the education platform. So um, tell people a little bit more about that and where they can find out more about yourself.
2: Absolutely. So the brand is Supplement Needs. So our website is www.supplementneeds.co.uk. And um, if you go to the website, um, you can save 10% with my code, Doctor Dean. And then, like you said, we have a an education platform that is now two years old, where we have, um, I guess you could call, educational experts like myself and Olivia, um, who are delivering content in sort of their specialized fields. I'm um, really like like we've sort of covered today to try and upscale either clients or coaches towards these aspects of of like 3D thinking, of root cause problem solving, and then delivering sort of world class results. So. The website is SNEducation, um, www.sneducation.co.uk, um, and, and it's split out into two tiers, tier two and tier three, um, both of them sort of cover the same content, tier three leads more into blood work, um, where tier two you've got sort of, like I said, the six or seven educators there covering everything. so.
1: Yeah, fantastic! It's a great platform. It's great value. <laughs> tier, tier two is is, is cheap, really cheap for the amount of content on there and that, that level of content as well. So
2: yeah, we're we're coming up now on three hundred videos at seven ninety nine a month, and it's yeah. cancel any time, which is important that people you know if they can't afford a budget or if they want to drop in and out. Like like I said, we between the seven of us, we try and release about ten to fourteen videos a month consistently. And and it's not sort of like me sitting in front of a camera for five minutes, it's like dedicated, no, they're detailed. <laughs> de- dedicated lectures, which yeah. some people sort of tell me that oh you're gone off the message. But what I sort of want there is that, that third level approach where you are getting upskilled mm-hmm. instead of me just talking in front of a camera for five minutes, we'll go into some studies, we'll give references and that lets you go off and then question yourself. Okay, yeah, that's that's a reference to I'm gonna look into that to learn more. So
1: Yeah no i love the platform i've I've done a good amount of my studying on there so i like that they're slightly longer form and yeah it's great value and absolute no-brainer for anyone listening whether you're trying to self-coach or or you're a coach so yeah check that out everyone dean thank you so much for joining me today mate i really really appreciate your time that was a fantastic episode
2: and thanks for inviting me on leo it's a pleasure
1: perfect